Welcome back to the podcast, A Nanny's Life. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, We've been on break. We've been on hiatus all summer. So thank you for joining me for season two. Uh, I'm really excited to kick it off. Uh, We are changing things up a little bit. We got some segments here instead of just one long conversation. So uh, I'm excited you guys are here for the ride. And for our first episode, I brought along a friend, a very good friend, um, to help me have this very important conversation. Um, Hey, Laura. Hi. How are you? Welcome to the potty. Thank you. (laughs) I'm good. I'm excited to finally talk to you. I got to book my friends for podcasts so I can have conversations with them. So basically it's the only way we can hang out and see each other. I know. I'm so happy to have you on though. Um, yesterday we kicked off uh, National Hispanic Heritage Month. Yay! Yeah. And I want to celebrate, you know, all the nannies with uh, Latin heritage because I think we don't do it enough. So we're definitely going to have a celebration here today. Exciting. Um, and the first, tell the people uh, what you like to be called, where you are from and how many years you've been in the nanny industry? Okay. Hmm. <laughs> well, my name is um, Laura. If you speak Spanish, you can call me Laura. Even if you don't speak Spanish, you can try and say Laura, but Laura is perfectly fine. Um, I know a lot of people try to say Laura, and then I'm like, Laura, it's, Laura, it's okay. Um, I have been a nanny for 10 years, so it's been a while. It's been a journey. Um, yeah, I am from Colombia. I moved to the States when I was 18, all by myself, like a crazy person. It's just, it's just who we are. We're just crazy and hardworking. (laughs) No, I'm so proud of you for doing that. I could have never, I'm, I'm 34 and still the prospect of like, going to a new country and starting over is absolutely petrifying. I think that's so dope that you did that. Did you move before you had a job or did you like search for jobs and then decide to move? Yeah. So I came here as an au pair, which there is a lot of, of us ex au pairs and current au pairs out there. So I was an au pair in California in Sacramento. Sacramento is my grandma's name, actually. Are you serious? (laughs) Yes. So when I matched with the family and they were living there, my grandma was like, Fue Dios, mijita. Like, it was God. So you gotta go. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. That was a good, 
That was yeah. a good decision then. Yeah. Oh my gosh, um, I didn't know that. That's lit. <laughs> yes, and then I I ended up in Atlanta and you know, I I just continued to be a nanny. And it just sort of became this passion. It wasn't a a full passion when I came here as an au pair. It was more of an opportunity and I wanted to learn English and I, you know, wanted to be here in the United States. Um, and then it was like, I fell in love with it. You know, the first time one of my nanny kids did something that I had taught them. It was like, oh, what? Wait, what, what is this feeling? It's like, I was proud of myself and I was proud of them. And I loved that. And it just started showing me the things that I'm capable of. And so, you know, I fell in love with that. And, and even today, I think of like other jobs or things I could be doing. And, and, you know, a lot of my friends that are not nannies would kind of ask like, wait, so when are you going to do these or that? Or are, are, are you moving over to, to the real world? And um, this one is going to be fun to say. Um, but it's interesting because I'm like, you, you know, I make more money than you, right? <laughs> and you're in the real world. That part. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm very happy where I am. Like I went to the zoo today and then I played hide and sick. And then my two year old peeped in the potty after a month of trying to get her to do that. So this was a, I had like a great day. I'm very happy where I'm at. We no need to move over to your side. Yeah, but absolutely. anyway, that's me. I'm an, I'm, I'm a nursing assistant certified um, in child nutrition. And well, I mean, a bunch of other things. I'm just like a little nerd when it comes to child care and developmental topics with kids. So yes. that's why. We're lucky to have you in the industry, Lauda. We are so blessed. We love it. Thank you. So you typically work in staffed homes, right? Correct. So I'm a rotational nanny right now. Um, I work in my my team currently. We have six nannies, so six of us. Um, One of the ones that has been there for the longest period of time. Um, before that I worked for a high profile family, both parents were quote unquote famous, um, and you know, so on, that's kind of been my background and it, it sort of happened. I, I didn't necessarily look for it. It kind of happened and actually not being from the United States and being from Colombia was very helpful to get my foot in the door because I wasn't fangirling over these people. I didn't know anything about them. I didn't know what, what I, I didn't know what that was. Like I worked for a baseball player for a while and I didn't fully know what his position was like on the team, like what he did until like two months in when I was telling the kids to like, look at the TV because their dad was going to be there. And then mom was like, that's not, that's, that's not their dad. He's like on the other side of the field. I was like, oh, oh, so sorry. So sorry. <laughs> like, don't look over there, guys. We're, we're waiting a minute. Huh. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, point for us who, who didn't necessarily grow up here because 
there are some things that we we may think that we're at a disadvantage because we don't know but actually some families may prefer that because they are going to feel more comfortable. Yeah, a lot of families, like when they're looking for anyone on their staff, but particularly childcare, they want someone who's not going to be, like you said, fangirling. Like they want someone who's just going to come in and do their job. For all my, my his panty girlies out there, just keep in mind, like go work for some famous person if you know who they are. They're going to like that. Yes, they're going to love that. Okay, so the first new segment that we have for the podcast this season is called How Do You Do? Uh, Because we don't have a work manual um, when we take on these jobs. Sometimes our shared experiences, we manage them differently. So one of your experiences that you share with other high-profile nannies is working in a staffed home and having more than one child care provider. So for this segment, how do you do? I would like to ask you, how do you establish relationships with co-nannies? Ooh, I love this question. This is so good um, because it has been a learning process. So the first staffed home I worked at, I only had one co-nanny. Um, and that was relatively easy. She was there before me. So it was a lot of like looking up to her and, you know, kind of trying to learn from her. And she became more of like a mentor. Um, but in my current position, I have five co-nannies. And sometimes there is three of us working together. And we live together when we work together because we work 24-hour shifts. Sometimes we go on 15-day trips together. So we are together 24 hours for 15 days. Um, And that can get very tricky. Like, tricky doesn't even do justice. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, it's difficult. Um, Everybody, especially, especially because nannying requires so much mental emotional and physical energy then at the end of a long shift like your cup is pretty empty right so my patience is running out and you have been in the shower for an hour and tomorrow we have to wake up at 6 a.m and we have to we have to be on the same team because we we are there to support each other and if you're not if we're not on the same team then the kids are going to be a mess because they pick up on that energy so Something that I always try to keep in mind and that I'm constantly reminding myself of is first, we are on the same boat. We are in this together. Um, second, you are not my competition. This We're not competing to see who's the best nanny or who does what better or who the baby loves the most. Our main goal is this kid's well-being and anything that we can do to support their lives and their well-being, then that that is what we have to focus on. And then third is just like I have hard days and I have hard times, so do they. And they also have to put all that aside to sing the wheels on the bus 10 times until we get to the airport in this foreign country. Um, So thinking of all that and like reminding myself really helps but not only that it's also you know and you say this all the time and I love it nannies need nanny friends and 
when you have the opportunity to work with other nannies, it kind of even gets easier and better because they know what you're going through in a way. They know that tick you off when you were asked to do the dishes. They they know what tantrums are hard for you to handle and they can step in and help you. So I kind of look at all my co-nannies as, you know, my support system. Like we're all lifting each other up always and and we try to we try to do that. And um I actually I I love the setup, you know, it's it's really good at the end of the day to just kind of sit and be like, wow, today was today was tough and this other person understands and they they know and they know how you feel. So just always try to to think of it with compassion and kindness and it's it doesn't always work. Sometimes we all get upset. That's okay. But I think it's more of like looking at each other like we we are we are on the same boat. We're in this together. You hold me up, I hold you up and we do it together. Um I try to remind myself of that very often. That was such a good answer. Oh my gosh, that was so good. Okay. Um I wanna be your co nanny now. Uh <laughs> So, okay, you mentioned it. Nannies need nanny friends. So uh, in the past month, is there someone that you would like to shout out who has been a really solid nanny friend to you, like listening ear? So one of them is one of my very best friends. Her name is Aleja. Well, her name is Alejandra, but I call her Aleja. Um, She's amazing. She is a nanny and a preschool teacher, and she's always my my grounding pole. I can always call her and she can be like, okay, all right, well, let's take a breath. <laughs> uh, but we breathe a little. Um, so Aleja, I, I love her. She She's always there for me. And second would be one of my co-nannies, Sophie. Um, she's, she's actually from the States and she has been such a good, just such a good friend in general. And has shown me how this this concept that I gave you of holding each other up, she taught it to me. So it's it's important to have people like that in your life. So Sophie, I I love you. She also bought me some socks, so she has points there. Yes, shout out nanny friends. We could not do it without one another. For sure. Another new segment that I want to start doing Um, I'm calling it nanny goals or nanny no-no. And basically, I'm going to select something from the internet. Um, It could be a viral video. It could be a Reddit post. Today, we're actually going to do a Reddit post. Um, And I want you to weigh in on if this is nanny goals, as in, you know, a situation where you feel like you would have done the same thing or you would aspire to do it, or is it a no-no and this nanny is... (sighs) (laughs) ill-informed. All right. I'm going to read you this Reddit post um, that I found and it's called Nanny Wants Extra PTO. So this is a mom boss writing this post and she's interviewing new candidates to be her nanny. Um, And she said she had an interview with someone they really liked, but she had a weird request in her contract. 
The request in the contract was nanny will receive additional PTO in the event that parents have the day off. Um, so the mom says, I asked her to clarify because we already give all federal holidays office paid, um, and two weeks paid vacation plus unlimited sick days. The nanny said that if the mom's work finishes early for the day or the mom gets a random day off, she expects to be sent home. She's only there to work if they are working specifically. Uh, and otherwise she believes this is the nanny, the potential nanny believes parents should watch their own children. She said, the nanny said, all nannies feel this way, even if they don't say it. And that she bets that our current nanny who was leaving, uh, resents working on days when I'm not busy at work. So I want to ask you Laura, and then I will, I will weigh in as well. Do you think that requesting that if parents are not working that you be sent home and to my understanding this was also with pay so with guaranteed hours or is that a no-no what do you think oh i have so many thoughts about this um you know i personally think that's just a no-no I mean, some of those comments are just not necessary. If I had to show up at any of my, my like high network families and show up like at the interview and be like, you should watch your kids. All of us feel this way. Make any of those comments around me like, please, please exit. Like, please, you know. Um, something that I remind myself of a lot is that if parents were to watch their own kids, always, we wouldn't have a job. Say it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, mm-hmm. if parents were to watch their kids always, we wouldn't have a job. Um, so it's like, yes, sometimes this little feeling in your heart can happen where you've been working 10 hours and mom got to work early and your feet hurt and you kind of want to go home. But she is going to do something personal instead of letting you go home early and you're like, please, I'm exhausted. Like, can we switch? And you get, you start building resentment sometimes when you don't share those feelings. Yes, that's, that's very valid and that can happen. But also we... Our, our role is to support parents. That's what we do. We support them. We're an extension of them. So if I already have my two weeks of a year, I get unlimited sick days off, which I think that's amazing. That should be a standard because we get sick from those kiddos very often. Um, and I get my federal holidays off which not all, uh, all of us get I, I don't get them my current job because I only work 15 days per month so if it falls on the schedule it falls on the schedule and I have to do it um I I think that when parents are at work maybe maybe they can go on a date maybe mom can go do something fun and it would be nice to be let off work early for sure. It would be nice to have an extra day off every now and then. That would be amazing. And maybe we can discuss that as 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 we go. But if you're already giving me everything that's standard, I, I just don't feel like it's necessary to to force that. <laughs> I feel like if you're off, I want to be off. It's, I just, yeah, no. I don't think that's necessary. Yeah, it's... 
I agree with you that it's a no-no, mostly because I think a big thing that happens in our industry is parents get pitted against nannies a lot, right? And it's little silly stuff like this where we go beyond being professional, right? Which was the, you got your federal holidays, your two weeks paid, your unlimited sick days, which people don't get, like you said, people people don't get unlimited sick days (laughs) in this industry at all. But we go beyond the professionalism and almost like weaponize professionalism to then judge parents, right? For the amount of time that they spend with their kids. Now, I can understand being frustrated if you work a lot of overtime and it you feel like your bosses are around a lot. That is worth having a conversation about how many hours you're willing to work a week. But to try and say, if you're not at work, I shouldn't be at work is just unfair because there are so many other things people need to do or people want to do. And if you're being paid and they're not stopping you from doing your job, because again, and now if you stand in here in the room with me, then we, we may have to have a conversation about boundaries. But if you're getting your nails done, you're getting a massage, you're going to lunch with your homegirls, you're going on a date with your spouse, like that, as long as I'm paid, I'm good. I would never make this sort of request. Yeah, me neither. And I've made I've made some funnier requests um, before, but but this this one was not one of them. I <laughs> I know you're curious. I had it. I had it. One of my contracts, like if we run into Taylor Swift, I will have to go say something to this <laughs> one, like just just her. I just need my picture, guys. Because <laughs> just like it was like you know situations where like we'll see like other celebrities very often and i just was and and you know you cannot break out of character you are there as this kid's nanny you're not being girly number anybody but one time we got to the airport and the dad was like that's taylor swift's plane and i was like i just like i cannot words cannot express how learning her lyrics influenced me to move to the u.s because i just wanted to sing in english like she did um so you know i obviously i don't have the voice but you know that's not obvious these people don't know if you can sing or not <laughs> they do i sing to their children all day. Gonna, oh, oh, oh oh your bosses that's that's true that's oh funny. my bosses yeah that's true oh, okay we were talking about the listeners got it I love you so much. Okay, so let's dive into the meat and potatoes of this episode because I want to get your perspective on the experience of being a nanny in the States of Hispanic heritage. Um, It's obviously something that I can't (laughs) speak to, um, but I I do want to kind of amplify that conversation because I think so many times... You know, we have these preconceived notions of what life is like for other people. And it's best to just hear it from the people who are living it. So I'd love to start by hearing a little bit about your upbringing and like what if there was any sort of um, inkling when you were growing up that you would grow up to work with kids. Um, Okay. well, I grew up in. 
semi-small town in Colombia. It's called Manizales. And I lived there until I was about 12. And then I moved to this very, very interesting part of the country that's called Ericauca. And I um, finished growing up in, um, in this town. It's a small town. It's called Santander de Quilichao. It's a, it's a tough word, I know. <laughs> um, and I, you know, that town made me who I am. I made all my lifelong friends there and I learned most of the things I know about life there. And I, you know, had my first kiss there and, and I, it made me, I, I love it. I, I miss going there so much because I haven't been in, in like three years. Um, you know, I grew up like a lot of this, and this is not all, but a lot of Hispanic families are very big and have a lot of, of people. So I grew up surrounded by cousins and aunts and uncles and, and grandmas and grandpas and friends that are like cousins. And um, I was actually the youngest of my cousins, all my cousins on my mom's side. And I was kind of like in the middle from my cousins on my dad's side. So it actually, I was actually the one being taken care of very often. Um, and I was actually the one being, you know, kind of like spoiled and, and, and cuddled in a way when, when I was little, when I grew up, my cousins were like, throw her in the river. <laughs> she can swim, <laughs> have her go get the fish. <laughs> like, um, my grandpa had a farm and it, it had a, a fishing lake and, you know, cows and horses and all of these. And, and after I stopped being little and cute, my cousins would be like, send her to the woods she she can she she can do it um i was like what i thought you said i couldn't even walk outside by myself um but then one of my cousins had a baby and this baby had very rare health conditions she had all of her organs on the wrong side of her body she didn't have two of her heart arteries so from the minute she was born, she had to undergo multiple surgeries. And, you know, obviously mom and dad were devastated. I was probably 15. They lived like one block from us. And, you know, I was just ready to jump in because all these things were expensive. So they had to keep going to work. And my mom was like, hey, can you, I, I went to, I went to school at night. So I, my school started at like, 2 p.m. or 1.30 or something, and then I got off at 7. So I would take care of her during the morning every day and then on the weekends more like during the day. And that's when I it sort of started getting to me, like realizing how much I liked it and I enjoyed it, even though it was my first time and it was a very particular case. So she was oxygen dependent. She had to have all these medicines and things and she had holes and needles everywhere. Um, you know, she, she's, she's way older now and she now has a baby sister and she runs and, and it's amazing. You know, she used to not be able to run when she was like three because she couldn't breathe. She will get purple, but that doesn't happen to her anymore. But um, anyway, that was kind of like the beginning of my nannying journey. And then I 
But, you know, since I had that experience and I had worked at a Montessori uh, school in Colombia, like after that, I just kind of kept going with the childcare route. So I worked at a Montessori school, um, which is when I realized that I didn't know how to sing because we had to sing a lot. And the kids were like, please stop. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they were not. They were, they were, they were smiling. Um, most of the time they were smiling. Um, and then, you know, the au pair opportunity ar- arose and I realized, I was like, you know, I, I know what I'm doing. I can, I can go do it and it will be awesome and I'll do it for some time and I'll save some money and I will learn English and I'll go back home. And then I got here. And then the first person was mean to me because I didn't know English. And it was like. I had this tank, like my, my body was a tank and it was full of dreams and hopes and energy and happiness. And things started happening, like my tank just started going down, 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 because I wasn't prepared for it. And I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And I didn't know how to replenish my tank either. So the first person was going to me in the airport because he didn't know English. So that was that was that was a shock that was tough and then my host's family had all these expectations for me that were not aligning the contract that's what not that's not always discussed that's not what was said but I didn't know enough English to say that to them I didn't have the words I didn't have the ability to communicate that I didn't even understand and I didn't I didn't even had full knowledge of what was transpiring um, and then a few things have started happening slowly, you know, like I was on the phone with my mom one day upstairs and my host mom, that's what we call him, host mom and host dad kind of came up to me and she was like, Hey, if you're going to be speaking Spanish on the phone, we watch you, We want you in your room. Like, don't be out here. And, you know, my tank kind of, kept just, it, it was it was more confusing than anything because for me, whenever I met somebody that spoke a different language, it sparked curiosity. But for them, it sparked rejection. And that was, that was very hard. That was a, a hard pill to swallow. And in a way that fueled me to learn English very well because I didn't want to be in one of those situations ever again. But not everybody has that opportunity or has that, th- those thoughts um, or get the chance to, to go to a school and learn English, which is, is what I did for, I don't know, three months. And then the TV taught me. Um, but so, yeah, it was, um, it, was, it was difficult at the beginning. It is still is to this day. But I, I do want people to keep in mind, I have been doing this for 10 years. It has been it has been a journey. And before I was able to advocate for myself, I didn't even know how to say, please stop yelling at me. So it's 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 been a journey and it's taken me some time. But my first my first learning experiences were definitely were definitely tough, but I never realized that they were tough because I wasn't a tall, white American person. 
I just thought they were tough because they were tough and household workers are not respected and they're looked down on and why why did I decide to do this so it's kind of my fault you know I didn't I didn't I actually didn't realize that my the treatment I was receiving and the expectations that were set upon me were different because of where I was from and who I was until four years ago or so when I started working with co-nannies that were white and were not um there were not people of color and were not Hispanic and that's when I I realized I had no idea the first time it happened was very casual my boss accidentally gave me my co-nanny's contract I had been a nanny for longer than she had I had more experience than she did and she was making two dollars an hour more than I was and so when I saw that number I was like wait but why and I I cannot tell you how long I thought of this for I thought of it for days and I was just thinking of all the reasons like I just thought of all the reasons I like did a deep dive on her life and I was just thinking and thinking and thinking like why 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 like is she more educated than I am does she have more there was there just wasn't a reason and then it hit me the only reason is that my bosses can relate to who she is more than they can relate to who I am so they are gonna give her some level of favoritism so that's the first time it hit me and then in my current position, I get to work with a lot of nannies and I get to train them um, when they first start the job. And the difference between nannies of color and nannies that are not of color is, it's, it's huge. They would come into the job, and I don't want to say they or them and us, I, I don't necessarily like that, I just Please know that I just don't have, I don't know any other words and I don't have the vocabulary to like say other words. Uh, so I'm not trying to be um, mean or anything like that. Um, but the expectations are so different and they start within us. So like we kind of said these things for where we think those things are expected of us. We think certain things are expected of us. We think that because we are Hispanic, we need to clean more. Because we are Hispanic, we need to do more household work because it's what's expected, because it's the norm. But we are not, so it's not necessary. You're not expected to be constantly speaking Spanish to those kids and then English and then Spanish again and then keep switching back and forth because it's exhausting. I Actually, you are expected by the parents. It's just an assumption. They just assume that, that it's easy for you and that you're going to do it for free. Um, but you're not required. You know, it's okay for us to kind of also have high expectations from our bosses. It's okay for us to also say no to doing certain things. It's it's okay for you, if you're Hispanic, it's okay for you to not know how to clean. You're not required. There's not this universal law that says if you're Hispanic, you have to be amazing at cleaning. But it is kind of a stereotype and an expectation that has just happened 
and then we carry it. And the first time I trained a nanny, I think she was, where was she from? I think she was from Iowa. And I was like doing a lot of side work. I was cleaning like crazy. I was like, you know, I had the Lysol spray and I was like spraying the kids dirty hamper, like clothes. And I was just like, just like, do, do we have to do all of that? Like, why, why? Like, are we required to, to do all of this? Because I'm a nanny, I'm not a housekeeper. And she said that to me and it was like a slap in my face. It was like a, a cold water just dripping on me. I was like, I'm also a nanny. Now that you mention it, I'm also a nanny. But if I don't do this, if this is not fully clean, I have this deep feeling inside of me that my bosses are going to be disappointed. They're going to be upset. They're going to wonder why the kitchen isn't clean. And this one is hard. And this one is, is hard to swallow. And I've worked at it a lot in therapy. But most of the people that employ nannies don't know much about the industry. They don't know much about how it works. They, they don't really know what a nanny actually is they they don't even think there is much required for you to be a nanny which is a little crazy to me because it's like you're hiring this person to watch your children and help you raise them you should have you should be like looking for the best of the best um so it is unfortunately it is our job to set those boundaries for ourselves, to bring their expectations down to realistic level, to sit down in our discomfort and be like, I deserve the same treatment as everybody else in this country. It doesn't matter if they don't fully understand what I'm saying. It doesn't matter if I look different. It doesn't matter if I have an accent. I deserve the same treatment. Just because I'm not from here doesn't mean I have to be the one on the floor scrubbing that stain. And this is so hard. I say it like it's easy. It is not. Uh, but then we have to stand up for ourselves. Even if we're half peeing ourselves as we do it. <laughs> yeah. We have to say that's out of my scope. And I won't do it yeah I want to mention because you talked about language right you talked about the boss saying like if you're going to be speaking Spanish do it in your room and I always I always see this sort of dichotomy or double standard where families prefer to hire someone who's a non-native speaker with the hopes that their children will automatically become bilingual but then at the same time it's like okay but not right now or not like that and it's like so do you want me to teach them and expose them to Spanish or do you want me to like what is the what is it that you want so I totally get how that's super confusing and it can take time to realize oh these people are taking advantage like you know because <laughs> But then also you and I both went to training day in Charlotte um, with Family First and we had so many people 
come in and basically say, I don't know how to communicate with my bosses. Part of the problem is the language barrier, but then also it feels like my bosses are exploiting that barrier in order to escape accountability for being a decent boss. And to know that there's so many nannies who, you know, have grievances, they have concerns, they're being taken advantage of, but they they don't even get the opportunity to talk to their bosses about it. And their bosses make no effort to talk to them about it, like to meet them where they are. Why would they? Why, why would they step out of their comfort and they're, 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 they're getting all this work. They're getting all this, all this help without having to put in a third of the effort that you will have to put in if you were hiring somebody that's a native English speaker. So think of it as a workout. You could solve this workout and in 20 minutes, you burn a thousand calories and you build muscle. Why would you go to this hour long workout where in an hour you built, you burn, I mean, and this is just, I can't think of anything else. Um, you burn 300 calories and you build zero muscle. What would you, what would you pick? This is very tricky because to fix this issue completely, it will require a lot of people looking deep down inside of them and realizing that, oh, I do this because it's convenient for me, even though it's really hurting this other human being. It's not easy to do. It's one of the, like you said, it's one of those things where it's like, I am I going to now inconvenience myself to help this other person who hasn't asked me to inconvenience myself, who hasn't expressed discomfort or frustration or anything, never mind the fact that they really can't because we don't communicate with them, you know, but it's like, and then you have families who will talk to other families and be like, oh yeah, our nanny, yeah, she cleans the kitchen, she cleans the bathroom, she makes the beds, she makes the meals, and she entertains all three children for 10 hours every day. Yeah, that seems typical. And so then, you know, you you it, it feels like the status quo for these privileged families to have someone like that in their household. And so I just, I really hope that going forward, um, we as whatever I exist as, but like those of us with a platform can work harder and you're going to have to help me Laura, but can work harder to make the content that we create more accessible for Spanish speakers, you know? Yes. Like it all needs to be translated. Like I, it burns deeply into my heart uh, when you say that. And I just, I'm very shy, believe it or not. I'm very shy. And I, um, I, I get very insecure too, very often. And a lot of it, it comes from my story and all my struggles. And um, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to these, but the amount of times I've been told that I have a glass ceiling over me because I have an accent or because I'm not from here. Um, even though I tried and I didn't fully let it and I'm like, 
you know, proudly where I am now, it still kind of, ugh, it still kind of makes a little cut. And so I've always been hesitant to, to share what I know and to, to share my experience like broadly on social media. But at that training, uh, international um, training day that we went together in Charlotte, it, I realized, I was like, wow, the gap. There is a really big gap. And I'm very lucky and I'm very privileged that I hopefully speak English well enough and I, I understand it very well. Um, where I sometimes I overlook that because I understand your content and Sarah's content. Um, I, you know, I relate to it, I see it and I read it and I understand it and I discuss it with my co-nannies. But if you think about it, the Hispanic population in the U.S. is the largest minority racial or ethnic group in the United States. It's like 19.1%. Out of that huge percentage, there is a, a pretty big percentage of us who are household workers, um, whether that is housekeepers or nannies or cooks or gardeners. And even though we have all these important roles, because people don't realize that, but household employees are the foundation. We allow you to go to work. We allow you to go make the money that you're making to have the lifestyle that you have. We are we are there to support you. We are there we to, to also build you up. Um, and even though we have that important role, we are not seen as 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 important. And you know, part of it is it's so important to look at history and kind of realize where household work kind of came from. And that helps you very much realize why it's not is looked down on. So slaves were the first original household workers. And then after that, it was mostly black women who became household workers because they couldn't get other jobs. And then after that, it became immigrants in the state and amongst people of color. And then, you know, dishwasher was invented and the washing machine was invented and you don't need it as many people in your house, but then you wanted somebody to also watch your kids. So when you look at it like that and you're looking at the whole scope of how we sort of came to be, it's, it's tough for the people that have always been in a, in a position of power and privilege to take a step back and look at us as something more than just plain helpers. And sadly and unfortunately, that's when we have to do it for ourselves. That's when we have to stand up and sit down and have the tough conversations. But if you don't speak English, if you have been in this country for only a year, then that's really tough for you to do. And I feel like it should be your employer that's facilitating those conversations for you. 
because they're getting, we don't realize this, and I, I do now, but I didn't for a really long time. We as, as, as Hispanic um, nannies, we offer so much. We're giving you the opportunity to have a bilingual kid. You know, we bring in a completely different perspective. We have abilities that, you know, just like people that were born in this country have abilities or have knowledge that we don't have. We have knowledge and abilities that people that were born here don't have. So we can we bring to this table this whole set of skills and all of these wonderful, beautiful, cultural, fancy, juicy things that we can offer. But because they are so taken for granted, we don't see we don't see them and we don't expect the same pay we don't expect the same treatment because we see it as a favor they're giving me a job it's kind of like a favor i should mm. be thankful mm. that's that's deep friend that's deep and yeah. i think i think that's something that uh i think black nannies kind of have in common right with hispanic nannies mm -hmm. Because, like, I love that you brought up history. You mentioned history. Because if we go back to your story earlier about training a white nanny who was like, girl, I'm not about to do all of this. I'm just a nanny, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because if you come, even if you come from a family that does not have much money, if you were born in this country and you were not raised by someone who needed to do domestic work to put food on the table, you automatically have a different sense of what you're willing to give in order to do this job. Because a lot of times mm -hmm. there is this sort of like exchange, right? Where it's like, I don't have to do this work, but I choose to because I like kids, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the truth is that's true for most of us. But we don't mm -hmm. tend to go into it like that as minorities, mm -hmm. whereas yes. those from the majority come at it from a perspective of like, if I'm choosing to do this, I'm going to make it work for me. Whereas we have mm -hmm. this historical mm -hmm. um, almost obligation to make it work for the families mm -hmm. as opposed to those other nannies perspectives. So whereas like you or I would be like. I mean, okay, I'll do it. I'll make it work. You, other nannies come yeah. in and they're like, I, no, absolutely not. And uh -huh. then you see stories of like nannies who will charge for an interview or, you know, these like intense pay rates, like, but also no, all I'm doing is looking after the children. And And my point is not to say that that's not okay if that's what you feel that you are worth. But my point is that yes. just further widens the gap between yeah. white nannies and minority nannies because even if you tell us <laughs> like we have these conversations all the time you shouldn't be doing all of that you don't have to do all of that there is this just innate sense of obligation to make it work and to go along and get along and I just hope that going forward as we become more empowered, we can also find ways to help nannies who maybe didn't grow up with that sort of sense of obligation yeah. or that 
family legacy of domestic work can sort of understand where we're coming from and meet mm-hmm. us there rather than being like, mm-hmm. you're silly for accepting that. You need to come up here with us. Yeah. Because the truth of the matter yeah. is these families don't see us as the same. They just mm-hmm. don't. They they, don't. they, 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 ha- they There are so many preconceived notions when people hire oh. nannies. And it's disgusting yes. sometimes to see you know, families say, well, I want this type of nanny for this reason. And it's not always ethnic, hundred percent. but like, mm-hmm. like sometimes it's like, I want a grandma nanny. Cause I want them to be unattractive. And it's like, okay, you've assumed someone is unattractive or I want a plus size nanny. People want me to be their nanny. Cause she won't take my husband. And it's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's bizarre. Not one of us <laughs> wants your husband. Exactly. Like, I don't know how to make this any more clear. <laughs> They are gross to us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, we see their full reality. I would run out of here (laughs) wearing a chicken costume and run around the block before I have to, like, touch that man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, oh, the preconceived notions. Yeah. They're tough. And... I have kind of been in this very lucky position where I've been able to see a lot of things and hear a lot of things. And I have also caught myself having these also biases and also having these thoughts. So I had this very tough position. It was really difficult. The the job in general, it was very demanding. It was a lot of household work and childcare and the pay was amazing where you're like, well, maybe I can kill myself for like six months and do it or, you know, and they also wanted a team. So they wanted more than more than two nannies. And I caught myself one night thinking how they're going to make it work. And I like and this was this was this was hard for me to also come to terms with, you know, that it's also embedded into my brain. It's like deeply burned into all of our brains and I remember thinking they are just gonna have to get a full team of just nannies of color nobody else is going to do it the only way this works is if all of us are nannies of color or even even if they want it to be work long term they're just gonna have to get a bunch of immigrants because they are the only ones that are gonna be willing to do the hard not fun work and then he was like oh no why it's it's so hard and one of the reasons it's 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 hard but it's true like we are willing to do so much more and we are willing to give so much more of ourselves because when you kind of a start the race like like a running race like higher up like let's say you're like up here and you didn't have to start down here then you don't get here when you're here you're just starting and we are here and we're tired like by the time we make it to where you are we're tired we've been running we are sweating we will take what we can get because it's been a tough journey and i just want a job And I just want to survive and I just want to make it. So then we, we put up with all these things and then they became, they, they become the norm. 
so I've had Konanis that are Hispanic that their answer, they would answer to when I say like, wait, but you don't have to do that. That's not your job. They're like, oh, it's okay. I, I don't mind. I'll, I'll do it. I, I don't care. I don't mind. And then I have to have this difficult conversation with them where it's like, look, that's not what's expected. If you do it, it will become expectation. And this is not just about you right now. There is five of us. If you do it, they're going to expect all of us to do it. And none of us want to do it. So I think you need to put that trash bag back where it belongs. <laughs> and it's so complicated. Like, because yes. you never, like, everyone's story is different, right? Like, some people literally come to this country with their family on their back. And they're like, mm-hmm. I need to, because of this American dream that we sell, and we won't get into the politics of this country too tough, but... It looks like you can come here and get a bucket of money and send it home. And if you're it's the one real. who's able, don't do it. Yeah, no, it's not. It's it's a trap. <laughs> it's absolutely a trap. But so it feels like if I work harder and if I'm the best and if I'm the favorite and if I'm, mm-hmm. you know, then mm-hmm. I can get further or get more or whatever. And it's like, unfortunately, it doesn't work no. that way. Um, yeah, it do- it actually it's a little bit of the opposite. Mm-hmm. If you work really hard, if you are the absolute best, if you give it all, unfortunately, unfortunately, you will be taken advantage of because you're starting at a disadvantage. Because you are already seen by others as less than. But we are not. We are not less than. We have all this power in our culture and in our knowledge and in our language that we have to just be proud of. We have to we have to hold on to it and be proud of and use it. But understanding that and internalizing it, it's really difficult. And I struggle with that sometimes. Um, not only not only at work, but like sometimes. Like, let's say I'm, when I was on a dating app, I would make it a point to send a voice message so the other person would see that I know English and they don't have that worry. Because I had been asked that question, like, how well do you speak English? Um, so, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's very hard for us because we want to, to shine just as much as everybody else. But the way, the way this country has been built in a way has been built on like the backs of people of color. But then we kind of always stay at the bottom and then other people just step on top of us. So they are at the top. And for us to break that and come on top, it's, it's hard. It's it's tough, and we have to we have to fight with ourselves. It's just not it's just not the world. It's also the stories that we've told ourselves of of where we are and who we are, and when we deserve and when we don't deserve. And what I see a lot with with Hispanic nannies is that there is just so much misinformation. And there is not enough 
there is there is not enough information out there for for us to see and realize what's the standard what's known what should be done you know there is like for example the a to c um online contract that you can buy for when you you are about to be in a position but it's just in english and or even the nanny council has a example of a contract but it's just in english so or it may be in spanish i didn't double check that one don't quote me um but there is there are not enough resources out there for us even though we are such a big part of household employees. Yes. This is what I don't understand. <laughs> this is what yeah. I don't get. Even looking at like agencies and leadership in general, it's like, I remember we went to the training day we spoke about in Charlotte and there was, there were translators there. And I was like, why does every event not have translators? How do we not at least Spanish? Like, how do we not acknowledge this huge population of people contributing to our industry that we are now silencing, not on purpose, but by not making this stuff accessible. And like looking at agency representation, I can only think of one agency owner that I see frequently who is Latina. I like, I don't even know who this is. Um, so district sitter is run by, um, Eugenia and she, she's the only one, (laughs) you know, that I see, but all the agencies are just, they look one way, you know, and, and they're not representative of the actual population of people who are doing this work. So I wonder, cause you've worked with agencies before, do you feel well represented in this industry or do you feel like you still have to do a fair amount of work on the back end when you're looking into jobs in general? Not, not represented at all. I, the amount of extra work that I have to put in for any position, it's, it's so, oh, it's, it's disheartening. So I was talking to one of my Cornanis actually, and I was like, yeah, this family ran one of the most extensive background checks I've ever had done. And she's white. And she goes, they run a background check on you? I'm like, they run more than a background check. I, it, was, it was very extensive. It was almost as extensive as when I was applying for my green card. And she was like, oh, oh. And then there was like a moment of silence. And then I was like, they didn't run a background check on you? She was like, no. I did one FaceTime and one in-person interview and they were like, you have the job. I did two FaceTimes, one in-person interview, three days of trial. And then I got the job. And there was nobody there to advocate for me. It was just, it was just me. And it was also just me thinking, this is what I have, this is what I've always had to do. This is what I have to do. So I'll continue to do it. But that's not the reality. You know, we are not, we're not very well represented. And I mean, it's because a lot of us, I mean, honestly, I feel a little guilty because 
as I'm about to say what I'm about to say, I'm thinking of myself, but not a lot of us speak English fluently. Um, not a lot of us are working and being being paid like as, as a W-4. So those people are, it's easier to take advantage of them. And not a, not a lot of us feel like we have the right to say anything. And as I'm saying this, I just keep thinking, you know, I'm in such privileged position. I speak English all right, hopefully. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm a permanent resident in this country. I am, I, I know people, I'm well connected. I feel like it, I need to, I need to start doing this work. <laughs> Dang it. I'm gonna have to put my face in Instagram. <laughs> it's a good face, Laura. And truly because you've had the experience. Cause I think a lot of, a lot of the reason, like we, we hear this advice from people who've been through things um, or our, you know, mentors or coaches, we hear them say, don't stand for that, stand up for yourself, all this stuff. But it feels like because I can't relate to you, because I don't have the background that you have, it'll work for you, but it won't work for me. Whereas mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. you are able to share more of your experience, it's like, okay, you, you really understand what it's like. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. you know, having yeah. a, a white, older, you know, seasoned nanny or whatever, tell you how to set your boundaries, you're immediately going to be like, well, sure, you can set those boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> you look like Which the people I you work for. Which I say very often. Yeah. yeah, I say that very often to to some of the, my co-nannies, either that I have right now or that I've trained before or that I've worked with, because I think they would say things like that to me. Like, just send them a text. Say you can work that day. I'm like, you, you can do that. You tell them, and that would be fine. I can't do that. And the problem is that when that person doesn't have that deep understanding as to why you can do it then they can just wrap their mind around it and unfortunately most of them it's just human nature and get personally offended and then they feel like we are discrediting their hard work or their effort or just you willfully staying in a position where you're being taken advantage of because the assumption yeah. is you just mm -hmm. say something and it's like, no, it is Maybe. not. That's like me, even me, like I've, I've seen nannies say how they stand up to their bosses and what they say to them. And I'm like, okay, so I am a large black woman. I can't say that. And it be, you know, received the same way you would say it. You're angry. Ex exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm angry yeah. or I'm going to be mean to the kids now, or, mm -hmm. you know, I'm permanently mm -hmm. disgruntled or whatever. Like there's a certain degree of finesse that I have to use when I speak to people that I work for. And that's just something I've come to accept as a black woman in America. So yeah. <laughs> but see, it's like we accept it and we put up with that because it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Listen, I'll change my tone, but I'm still going to say my piece. <laughs> and yeah, that is that is my middle ground. My middle ground is I will make myself more palatable if that helps you understand what I'm saying. But I'm still going to say what I have to say. <laughs> and you will hear I me. Mean, and that that's a skill. Yeah. That's an ability. Are you kidding me? That is literally a life skill. The, the, the fact that we can kind of 
zoom out and look at things from the outside and recognize and understand there is unfortunately a system in place. How can I play this? How can I maybe use it a little bit to my favor? Um, it's a skill that we have that we've developed to survive. So for example, I would talk to some of my white Konanis about an issue that's happening. And then we'll we'll write down a message and then I'll say, well, you send it. Mm. And then they do. And then I like it. <laughs> I like the message. Boop. You're smart, friend. You're so and smart. And then we, we got to, we, in some ways, recognizing and accepting that this is our reality helps us work it in, to our favor up to the degree that we can. But the realities of the things that we have to accept and put up with is, and we don't have to, but we just feel like we don't have a choice. So for example, at jobs, I have been given a dress code, whereas my white Konanis have not. And it's just my boss's assumption that because I'm Hispanic, I'm going to come to work half naked. And a big part of me just feels deeply offended, you know, and I just want to get out of the house and be like, how dare you? And you wish and you would be welcome if I were to come here half naked. Another big part of me is like, and I have rent. Exactly. It's not as easy for us to opt out. Yeah. We don't necessarily have that safety net that some other people who come into this industry for fun have. Like the people who can just walk away or like be like, oh, now I'm going to do this different career. I'm going to go white collar for a while. Or, you know, we we don't have it. Or I've been bouncing back and forth. You know, the reality of why most of us, to be completely honest, I think the reality of why most Hispanic people ended up in a, as a household employees was out of necessity. That, that was me. That was me when I stopped being out of an au pair. I did it out of absolute necessity. I, I, I needed the money. I didn't have, I, I couldn't pick up the phone and be like, hi, daddy, can you send me a thousand bucks? No, it, it was the other way around. I was picking up the phone and my mom was on the other lines and like, hey, can you help us grocery shop this month? Like, oh, 10 an hour, perfect, I'll do it. You know? So when the other side doesn't have that understanding of just the, the deep need that in, in how we started this job was just out of necessity, then it's like, why are you allowing them to treat you that way? Well, I have 25 bills to pay. In a way, I think I would love for there to, for it to be more information out there of the amount of good nanny jobs that they actually exist. Because then people will maybe stop being as afraid. Then maybe they'll start bringing that fear down a little bit. Um, they're like, okay, well, maybe if this doesn't work out, maybe I can get a better job. But if there is no knowledge of how to get a job, how to get a good job, where are these jobs? Then people don't know and they think that just what they have at that moment is all they can get. But that is not true. 
So I think that that information is just so important and so valuable. And some of these ladies that are, you know, in their 50s and they're Hispanic and they're nanny and they are amazing. They are so good. They have all the knowledge. They know everything. They sing well, unlike me. They know what they're doing. What they are lacking is the knowledge of industry standards, the knowledge of where to get these good jobs, and, and the knowledge of what other people are receiving so they can ask for it as well. And I think that's where we need to like step up and, and put it out there and, and let them let them have it. Yeah. And I take feel like a big look. another big problem we have in this country is the way that we portray domestic workers in media. Mm-hmm. Because all too often, the default is a Hispanic woman. Like if it's yeah. any domestic work job, like I feel like I see more Hispanic domestic work in media than even Black people in domestic work if it's supposed to be like a more contemporary or modern show or movie or whatever. And it's like, yeah, why? Like, can you even think of any examples of like, (laughs) no. Oh wait, I've never seen that movie. So I'm not sure. I think there is one with Scarlett Johansson. Oh, the nanny diaries. Yeah. But that was, that was one of those, like I was a nanny for a year. It was awful. And now I moved on to a new life. <laughs> I've never you know? seen that movie. You I've should never watch seen it. That movie it's a good movie. I feel like it will hurt my feelings. I, I mean, like it will be like... she got treated awful in that film. So, oh. I mean. <laughs> she did? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It was pretty rough. It was pretty rough. Um, well, if anything, they, they're saying that's how nannies are treated, guys. Yeah. yeah. This is not how we are meant to be treated. Well, you know, it's like, so all household workers used to just be portrayed as black, but the country is, is, is moving forward, is kind of trying to step out of that stereotype. So then we move on and we portray them as Hispanic. That's, exa- you, you know? that's exactly what happened. Yep. Um, and it's like, sometimes, sometimes it's even painful to watch because they will portray a person that's not Hispanic as Hispanic because they have the looks. Oh my goodness. Because you, because you're portraying a domestic worker. Now your makeup yeah. has to look a certain way and your hair needs to be brunette. And you know, mm-hmm. could you try mm-hmm. an accent? Maybe see if you fit. Yeah. Maybe can you make it like a thicker of an accent, but also, also this woman also has to be pretty. Mm-hmm. she also has to be very good looking very attractive and the dad has to be looking at her mm-hmm. every now and then mm-hmm. the way we are portrayed is is oh, is so hard and you know I, I think about this very often because all the people that are working and in the film industry have nannies they probably have a fully stopped home their nanny doesn't look like that their nanny doesn't act like that they they the director, let's say he's a man, you know, he's not flirting with his 55-year-old Mexican nanny. <laughs> it's like they are they are portraying us, portraying us like that because that's what people think. That's what people 
kind of have embedded into their brains that household employees look like and behave like and are like. Even though they know it to be different in their own reality, which is crazy. They know it in their reality, but they know it's not going to sell. How would it be picked up by like the people and the media, let's say, a nanny who went to Duke University and studied psychology and has this beautiful, beautiful soul and attitude and sings beautifully, they will be like, why is she being a nanny? They cannot wrap their brains around how important our work is. So if they show reality, if they show who we actually are and what we actually do and how important we actually are, the the masses are not going to buy it because they see, and this also comes from history, like I said, they see household work as less than, as less deserving. It's only uneducated people do it. The the masses don't, don't can rub their brains around it, but then I think of of the reality of our job, and it's like, and not to mention these twice or anything, but you know, most of my friends that have regular, real life office jobs that they are very proud and say loudly, like I work at, you know, logistics at this company. I make more money than they do. And I only work 12 to 10 days a month. But they are, they, then they make all these excuses in their head about it. Oh, but over time, I'm going to make more than she does. Oh, but I get treated better. Oh, but I get all holidays off. Oh, but this and that and that and that. Because they cannot just accept that a household employee can have a real job and be respected and have an important role in the community. But our role is so fundamental. It's so important. Like, sometimes I think of, let's say, people that are seen as bad by the world. So let's think, I, I can't think of anybody. Somebody that's, that's, just, that's just very bad politician. And they are there in the media. And I, sometimes I think, I wonder, like, if I had been that guy's nanny, he would not be there. He would say, please and thank you. He would know how to be thankful. He will, he will, he would respect women and respect others and he will have kindness in his heart and he will love books. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's like our role is so fundamental, but it gets overlooked because we do so much invisible work. I also think though, like when you bring up the, the thing about the money, I think money has a lot to do with why people are so willing to keep the old stereotypes going. Because if the industry with its roots in slavery and indentured servitude becomes as profitable as the industries of, you know, doctor, attorney, entertainer, whatever, now we have upset the social hierarchy, right? We've upset the system because our salary is supposed to be a small deduction from one of their salaries. Mm -hmm. And once we start making the same money they're making, oh wait, 
now I have to find more money in order to have someone help raise my children or clean my home or cook my meals. And then it's like, so when people, because I've gotten in so many discussions, I'll say, not arguments, I don't argue, um, on like social media, on TikTok, on Reddit, wherever, about like, y'all are really saying that I shouldn't make a certain amount of money because you don't make more than that. It's mm-hmm. not because they think the work is not important. There is no way that people think it's not important because if they thought it was unimportant, they would do it themselves. That's a conversation we'll have another day. So the only reason they keep acting <laughs> like it's like- not important, listen, the reason they act like it's not important is so that they can keep this system going so that they can yeah. afford their lifestyle and childcare and a clean home and you know peace of mind and mental health. These people know that raising children is hard. How many parents do we see online every single day who are like, I am at the brink. I am about to, you know, go over the set. Like, it's too much. It's a lot. It's hard, especially while working. So, like, I think it really is to keep keep the hierarchy where it is. I think it really... If it if if nannies being well paid was not such a threat to parents who can't afford childcare, no one would mind that we get paid well. Exactly, and and that's also like something that I think is really important for me to mention. Like I am at the point in my career where I'm working for ultra high net worth families, so obviously me making a good good salary, it's nothing for my bosses. So then it's it's it still stays kind of like in the same system where what I am making is a small portion of what they do, what they make, just like most of us out there, where we just make a small portion of what they do and they think that's fair and that's how it should stay. Because no way, Jose, I am paying my housekeeper more than I pay my accountant. And I think that that's also like very dangerous Every for them. It's very threatening. Every time there is a, a, a punch at, at, the, at how things are, have been for years, how things are organized to be, every time somebody's trying to kick one of those bricks down, everybody freaks out. Everybody goes into shock. And also is that fear for families that don't make enough money of, well, then I won't be able to afford childcare. Well, then I, I won't be able to have a nanny. And, and as, as hard as this is to say, and as controversial as it might be, we, the childcare providers, that is not our responsibility. It just is not. There is an entire country here that should be working to help you with that problem. But having a nanny, having a good, prepared, educated nanny that knows what you're doing, it's a privilege. It's a luxury. And you should only have one if you can afford it one and treat her well. Mm-hmm. So our last segment today, uh, this segment is called, Is It Just Me? Because once again, we don't have manuals to our jobs and sometimes we experience things that we think we should not have to do on the job um and we we don't know if it 
if it's something that we should do uh, unless we talk to other nannies about it. So Is It Just Me is a segment where nannies can complain about aspects of the job that just feel unrelated, unnecessary, and extra. And we on the show will let them know if that is actually an experience that we all share or if they're being taken advantage of. Um, So this week's we actually got from Reddit um, and the writer says, am I the bad nanny? Are you ready for this? (laughs) So she says, I've worked for a family for well over a year now. The parents stay at home while I'm here and we've always maintained a good relationship. But today I'm worried I had a bad nanny moment. The younger sister, who's three, bit her older brother, who is six, this morning. Last summer, when the older boy would hurt the younger girl, I would always ask him to apologize, and he would. Today, when I asked the younger girl to apologize, she flat out refused, even though she has apologized before, and she knows what she did was wrong. I then expressed, if she didn't want to apologize, that she would need to give her brother some space. She started hitting me, the nanny, with her stuffed animals and screaming, I hate you. So I removed myself from the situation the best I could and started folding laundry about 10 feet away. All the while she's screaming at me to get her toy dog, which she just threw at me. I refused by simply ignoring her and figured she would calm down eventually. But as she kept screaming, her dad rushed downstairs and he thought I was neglecting her when she got upset. I tried to explain the situation, but he still got her a toy and treat. I thought I handled the situation well by not reinforcing her bad behavior while also respecting the family's boundaries. But the dad I worked for thought otherwise. So in this situation, is it just this nanny who feels the dad should have talked to her about what was going on before immediately going in and not only comforting the child, but also treating her? What do you think, friend? Oh, my goodness. I have so many thoughts about this. I just have so many thoughts. Um, okay, just to, like, plain answer the question, let's start there. I feel like for us as, 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 an, as the nanny and, and because of the whole situation, that sounds very frustrating. Like, I would have been frustrated that the dad came and not only, like, completely disregarded me handling the situation, but also gave this kid that was having not the best behavior a treat and comforted her. And in that, that reinforces the, the kind of idea that I am the bad one. So that is kind of, that is... That is tough and that's frustrating. And I think that we as nannies encounter that very often where we are trying to enforce a rule that was given by the parents very often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And obviously that makes the child uncomfortable. And then the, the child has a normal reaction to being uncomfortable because they're little. They don't know how to regulate their emotions yet. So then they have a little breakdown and the parent hears that or sees it, and they obviously go into parenting mode, and they just come and, and take care of the what they think and believe that kid needs in that moment, and that kind of erases everything we've done. And that is, that is just tough and frustrating. And then it's like, well, I won't do it again then. Next time, they 
go into the drawer and get a lollipop, I'm just gonna let him. Because I just had this hour long effort of trying to teach this kid that does not what we're supposed to do. And then they came in and destroyed it in five seconds. So in that way, I I understand. And that had to be just tough and frustrating. I would want to give her just like a few little advice points. Yes, please. If I can. <laughs> And this is also for everybody. First, this is why it's so, so important to have a sit down with your bosses and say, how do you like to discipline your kids? How do you like to handle it when they do something they are not supposed to? What is acceptable and what is not acceptable? Because we are an extension of them, right? So let's say that I'm thinking my kids are never, never going to be allowed to say, the S word. I don't know if that's actually a very bad word or not, so I'm just not going to say it. But let's say my nanny, in my nanny job, the parents are okay with the kids saying that. So in that instance, I'm an extension of them. Their kids are allowed to say it. They are not mine. And I'm doing what the parent would do to the best I can, giving them my knowledge and my abilities. So that's why it's so important to be on the same page, because then those discrepancies will be easier to handle. Later on, when you have a talk with the dad, then you can be like, hey, it was my understanding that you guys were okay with giving the kids space to come down and kind of regroup before interfering. And that's why I did it. If you would like to change that moving forward, I'm more than happy to. You know, that's for one. And then the second advice would be, and I feel like all of us should do some research on these and get some knowledge on helping kids regulate their emotions, techniques to help them regulate. When a kid is dysregulated, they can, they don't know how to rationalize anything. They don't know what's happening, they just see red. And if you kind of have some level of training on how to kind of help them get grounded and and calm down, rather than rationalize with them and and that's once a kid starts once a kid is dysregulated that's not the time to negotiate the the time has passed we are not teaching anything anymore we are not we're not asking to apologize we're not doing any of that because this kid has it's left the chat their brain has left the chat they are on they are an emergency mode everything is on fire and they're running around naked so Knowing what to do in those circumstances really helps bring things down faster and in a more efficient way. So that way you can avoid difficult moments with the parents where the kid has been crying for an hour. And at that point, that parent is like, what is happening to my child? So I would say like, oh, I totally get it. It's so frustrating that that happens. I mean, happens to me, happens to all of us. It happens very often. Um, but also, you know, kind of take the tips if you want them and, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will. I think that's great advice. First of all, that's all, that's, that's mostly how I would answer this question myself. Um, I will add that it is important not to take it personally when these things happen. 
not to assume that the parent has an issue with you. I in the post it didn't say the dad said you're doing a horrible oh, job or anything. Oh, okay. She said he he felt otherwise, thought otherwise, but you didn't say that he said to you that you did a poor job. She told um, herself that. Exactly. And so uh, I'm going to tell a little story of my experience because I, these, these sort of occurrences used to, used to break me down, friend. They used to break me. I used to get so upset. And this is me why I, before, before the, the panini we just went through, I had a rule. If you're home, you're in your room. If they can see you, then you're you're on duty because things like this used to bother me so much until I did it to my boss, friend. I did it. So, you know, I've been at my job for almost seven years, right? And uh, so the eldest is in elementary school and his he gets out of school in the middle of the baby's nap. So I don't pick him up. They do carpool which means one day a week, my bosses drive the carpool of the friends that they do it with. And so he came in the house before his parent and he was just like crying and he's, he's six. So he wasn't like a, a baby or a toddler crying, but he was like so upset. And he, I was sitting at the table, like eating my lunch, which happened to be something that he enjoys. And he like ran in super upset. And I immediately was like, oh, buddy, what's wrong? Like gave him a hug and he asked for some of my fries and I gave him some fries. His parent came in like 60 seconds later, looking at me like (laughs) I had just like really messed up. And I was like, rough car ride. And my boss was like, yeah, and this is why it was rough. This child that you're giving French fries to and snuggling was awful, actually, and started all the trouble. So, yeah, maybe no more rewards for a couple hours. And I immediately was like, I just did what they do. And now that and so we both learned that day, me and my boss learned that, A, it's not personal. It's not about you because our instinct I've known this kid since he was 12 weeks old. My instinct when he comes to me crying is to comfort him. Um, I probably should have waited until the parent came in to figure out what was the situation and how I should handle it. But that day really taught me that it happens just that quickly. It's instinct. Like they love this kid 10 times more than I love this kid. So, you know, their instinct is even stronger. So I would just say, don't take it personally. (laughs) Definitely follow all of the advice that Laura gave and like have that conversation, figure it all out. Um, but don't, don't, it's not always about you. I have learned. And, yeah. It's, it's just but <laughs> it's so tricky. It's so tricky for us nannies because obviously we wouldn't be nannies if we weren't deeply caring people. If we weren't deeply caring humans, we, we wouldn't be in the childcare industry. And that kind of comes with being overly sensitive sometimes. So a lot of the these parents' actions cut deep into our hearts. Like they hate me. They did it because I'm not. They think I'm not capable. They did it because they they're mad at me or whatever. But then, like you said, you didn't know what happened in the car ride. He just walked in. You just saw the aftermath. And it's it's just an instinct. It's like this. And you don't have that. You're not like, wait here while you're melting down. Let me right. go double check right. what happened. And I'll be mm-hmm. right back. 
no it's like let me take let me take care of you you know what what can i provide for you to calm down and then it's like you realize what's happened and i mean when they are older maybe it's easier to talk to them but yeah well maybe sometimes not always <laughs> the meltdowns look the same have a seven and nine year old and sometimes handling those tantrums is harder yeah because they know so many words now and they know that i was upset over something last week and they remember and they'll bring it back up and all my 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 defense mechanisms will start turning on and then i have to remind myself they're nine they're seven mm-hmm. they're nine they're seven they don't even know they they don't even know that i may go cry in the bathroom over this later that's not their intention but like you know my my two-year-old kind of just hugs me and kisses me and says okay sorry bye yeah they get over and it then, quickly yeah and then we're like oh, okay huh? we love each other kumbaya or whatever yeah it's so funny to me when people are like it's so hard to take care of like babies and toddlers I want them to be bigger so that we can just kind of hang out and I'm like you you, you don't, don't understand you don't get Clean, it <laughs> cleaning and speed up is nothing cleaning yeah. and speed up is, is, is easy and fast mm-hmm. separating two siblings that are going at each other is way harder <laughs> oh my goodness so hard yeah so so yeah. hard it's so hard oh my gosh it's sometimes i'm just like i wonder what would happen if i let them be like two more minutes <laughs> i'm just kidding no i listen my yeah can relate yeah. <laughs> and have literally like sat on the steps outside the room that they're in being like maybe it'll work out maybe it'll be okay maybe. yeah you know I, yeah i've done it i've done it in the car like I'm going to wait and the next time I see a stop sign I will intervene. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then, I'm just like And I think time, honestly you know? that's I think it's healthy because most kids don't have an assigned grown-up to follow them around and manage mm-hmm. all their relationships with every other kid. Mm-hmm. Like parents are not sitting at home in the same room as their 8, 9-year-old constantly making sure that they speak kindly to their sibling. Like, it's just not realistic. So yeah. I tell myself that if I intervene when it's dangerous, then I have, you know, helped. But letting them work it out sometimes is healthy for them because nobody is at school saying, don't say that. Nope, nope, be quiet. Nope, be mm-hmm. kind. Can you rephrase the yeah. question? Like, that's not realistic. So anyway. Yeah, that that is a very, that is just... I mean, this will take a whole hour of talking and discussing it. But yes, for sure. Most most kids don't have a grown-up assigned to them, to their every move, to their every feeling. One of my nanny friends, her nanny kid, who is now 20, texted her once and she was very mad at her and at her parents. She was just mad because she didn't know how to take an Uber. She didn't know how to cook. She didn't know how to do her own laundry. She didn't know how to do anything. She was just mad because the way she saw it, nobody ever gave her the opportunity to learn. And ever since that, I make it a point to give my kids an opportunity to to learn these skills. Yeah. 
It's important. That's why like people say it's taboo to like if you're a hired nanny, if you do chores while the kids are awake, like that's taboo. But I'm like, you need to see that these dishes don't magically disappear. <laughs> you need to they understand. Need it. Yeah. They, they need it. And they don't mind when they're younger. They don't mind at all. Everything's an activity they love it. for them. Yeah. So I I my two year old will literally fight to me if I don't let her help me with the chores. You're like, I'll do it. Okay, fine. Do you want to do the laundry? Go for it. (laughs) The six-year-old yesterday was like, do you want me to throw this load in? Mom taught me. And I was like, you do laundry now? Like, he was like, yeah, I know how to put the detergent in. I know how to do all of it. (laughs) I was like, okay, (laughs) okay. Go for it. it. Help me. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) please. please. Yeah. And then, I mean, it feels so good. Like, um, I think it was Wednesday night. I, like, walked in to, to like, we have an area where it's just us and the kids for eating and whatnot. But I walked in, like, ready to go. I was like, okay, these kids need to put their plates in the, in the sink. They need to go get ready, blah, blah, blah. And I walk in, like, ready to go, 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 go. And the, the table was clean. And they were like with their hairbrushes on their hands walking to the rooms. I was like, I am going to go to the bathroom because I haven't been to the bathroom in four hours. And that is like, it gives you so much pride, you know, you feel so good. Parents are grown, you know, our bosses are grown. Their their cop, their knowledge, their brain is kind of a capacity already. So there is very little influence that we can have over them. And also eight out of 10 times, they're not gonna receive well if we give them suggestions about their household or how to run things. However, your nanny kids, those kids, they love you and they, they, you have influence over them. And I have seen this happen before where I have taught a a kid to always pick up their trash and put it in the trash and they do it they even if they are with me or not even though they're just with their parents they will pick up their trash and go put it where it belongs and then I have seen this unfold where a parent would follow they would do it too they would also go because their kid is doing it so he's like oh okay yeah maybe it makes sense we should do this as well so you know when you (laughs) When you really teach those kids, then they are always going to do it. And but I mean, we have to remind them, obviously, very often. But yeah, I guess it's but it's easier. so true. Yeah, it's so true. And even like explaining, because in the beginning of my career, I was an adult who didn't really explain myself to children a lot. You know, I didn't. Mm. If I could give you the basic reasoning behind why, but I'm we're not going to go into like the domino effect if you don't do what I said you should do. But the longer I've nannied, the more I explain myself. Because mm-hmm. for one, I want to make sure I'm doing it for the right reasons, right? Like, why did I ask you to do that? Hmm, what is that yeah. helping? And then also explaining to your nanny kids why you do certain things in front of their parents who may have never considered the why or and who who mm-hmm. specifically who didn't grow up like you, right? I've never worked mm-hmm. for a family who grew up like I grew up. So a lot of the things that are like default to me, the parents are like, oh, for real, <laughs> you know, like that's not, <laughs> yeah, 
they yeah. can't relate but when I explain it they're like wait that makes a lot of sense we're gonna do this mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. <laughs> like we're mm-hmm. gonna mm-hmm. I like it <laughs> yes you know, so yeah yeah and that is that is very true I think at the beginning of my career I didn't explain myself either and now I over explain myself for you know for a multitude of reasons but yeah sometimes when you explain something to the kids in front of the parents the parents pick up on it and they're like oh so last week when you didn't do that he fell off the chair so now we always have to do that okay makes sense so that's that's good yeah nobody ever ever told me that it just sort of happened but hope somebody hears that (laughs) that's the thing we learn so much of how to navigate our jobs by like you said earlier by messing up by like doing things that we didn't mean to do or whatever and um I like when I share how I messed up so that the next person doesn't have to you mess up in new ways not in the same way that I messed up (laughs) and then you share those and so on Wow. Well, friend, this has been an incredible conversation. I'm so glad you joined me. I love Thank you. you. Truly, was, truly. Yeah, I was I know I know you know I was nervous. But, <laughs> but you I did amazing it. and everyone's going to tell you you did amazing and Thank you are you. such a wealth of wisdom and knowledge and experience and I just I'm glad I met you. I don't know. I can't remember if I found you or you found me, but I'm glad we found each other. (laughs) I don't remember either. I don't even know how this came to be. It's okay. All that matters is you've been to my mom's house, so you are a real friend (laughs) in my book. (laughs) You are stuck with me. Uh, I have showered in your mom's house, too. You have, and I'm (laughs) going to continue to encourage you to talk more and to put yourself out there because you really are you're a good mentor to have I think oh thank you yeah and and any any Hispanic nannies that are in the Atlanta area that you know want to reach out to me and want to have somebody to talk to or I mean even if you're not in the Atlanta area just I just leave here so it'll be easier but you know I'm more than willing to to talk and help and if you need a translator ever just let me know Yes. Thank you so much, friend. Um, And thank you listeners for tuning in to another episode of A Nanny's Life podcast. I do hope that you enjoyed listening to us today. And I hope that you take care of yourself this week as well as or better than you take care of those other people in your life. Okay. (laughs) All right, friends. Bye. Bye. (laughs) This It's